0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. In this episode, we talk with Andrea Fenn, founder and CEO of Fireworks, a digital company based out of Shanghai. We talk to Andrea about his early experiences as a journalist researcher with CNN and how the fashion industry has changed over the last decade. We also talk about his company, Fireworks, and why he refers to it as a post-digital agency and how client requests have evolved since 2011 when his journey began. We then turn our focus to live streaming, an incredible phenomenon, akin to QVC or a late night TV shopping channel, except the extent of production is usually an iPhone on a tripod. We ask Andrea to make sense of it for us, talk about whether the Chinese consumer market could potentially grow tired of it soon and treat it as a fad, and is it something that he is recommending to his current clientele. Lastly, we discuss whether live streaming is a viable option for new brand entrants into the Chinese e-commerce ecosystem. Enjoy.
1: I've noticed that there is a constant need of reassurance and a constant need of establishing trust in Chinese consumers. A very important China scholar famously said that Chinese are suspicious yet gullible. And I think that quite, uh, that quite captures the point. They're suspicious about everything, about the information that they read on the newspaper or on, on TV, about the information they find on online. And this applies to consumption choices as well.
0: Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley. And welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Andrea, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Todd. And thanks for having me. I'd like to start this episode by paying due respect to those that have been impacted by COVID-19. And Andrea, you are from Italy and I know Italy was hit rather hard. How has your family and how has your country dealt with the pandemic and what is it like there now? Yes, sure. I mean, uh, been in China and been in China. I was in I was in Shanghai, I was in uh, China
1: when the virus when the epidemic was hitting hard. Here. And uh, it was very interesting to see kind of like the perspective changing, you know, like from China being the sick man of the world and people back home, you know, calling me uh, being afraid, uh, wondering why the heck don't you come back to Italy where, you know, the sun is shining and life is great. And then all of a sudden, just a few uh, weeks, days later, tables turned completely and then, and, and then Italy was, uh, you know, the, the sick man of uh, Europe. And uh, suddenly being in China was, was the safest choice possible. Um, but no, I mean, Italy has, um, uh, some people would say that uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough ride ahead because of the economic impact. But all in all, I think is it uh, was a good display of uh, you know national unity and government uh, slip seriousness. It was the first time that I've ever heard, uh, you know, the European Union and so many like world leaders talking about Italy being the respons- a responsible uh, country doing, you know, right choices and things like that. Um, I think situation, you know, to go back to the personal level, situation is almost, it's almost, uh, the, 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 they call it the phase two. The phase two is when people start getting out of their uh, shelters and start uh, resuming some of their uh, normal activities. And I think phase two is going to start uh, next week. So for uh, a lot of people who have been locked for I think seven weeks in a row so far, and uh, were obviously very afraid about uh, the state of their jobs, whether they have a company or, you know, their uh, position inside uh, as, as employees of companies, I think that's quite a relief. Um, my family, they, um, they were uh, smart or lucky enough to move just before the, uh, the government restricted movement to move to the newly acquired uh, house by the sea. So they basically spent a uh, fairly nice quarantine with a sea view, uh, you know, still, still locked inside. So looking at, the, looking at the sea but not being able to touch it, but I guess much better
0: than a lot of other people. You were working for CNN as a journalist with a focus on Hong Kong. What did you learn in that time being on the ground that you didn't know beforehand when you arrived purely as an academic?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I worked on the uh, website, the digital side of um, of the CNN operations in in Hong Kong. And a lot of the work that we were doing uh, was uh, less of the groundbreaking work uh, investigative journalism that i think uh you know like the, an, an up-and-coming a uh, young journalist is dreaming uh, to do and much more um and much more about uh, trying and uh, capture the interest of readers of course at the time to me it seemed uh, it seemed appalling and uh, something that seemed to uh, deny the whole meaning of uh of what journalism and media uh was about you know trying to uh create uh uh soft so to say content so that uh so that uh readers around the regions will be interested in would be interested in also the the deeper side of the of the of the reporting of, of the network but also i think that was uh that was important because it made me realize that the um that uh that the way that the digital ecosystem works where uh users consumers are always in the need of entertainment uh, and maybe sometimes more so of entertainment than on other um, things, for example, information about uh, politics or economics. Um, and in a way, kind of like uh, started breaking what in my mind was this, was this very clear uh, division between you know, the professional voices of journalism and the amateur voices of social media and
0: of you know, the online uh, world. What was China's fashion industry like ten years ago when you were covering it and how has it changed? It has changed enormously. So when um when we started, uh when I started
1: first as a journalist, as a researcher, and second and later on as a uh, from from a commercial point of view, as a as a as a brand content uh creator and communicator, um um, the situation, uh, China was a very different place, and uh, the acceptance of uh, foreign brands and foreign uh, concepts was, uh, was vast in the sense that people were very open to it, but uh, the understanding of it was very thin. Um, at the time, um, consumers were very, very local, logo- obsessed and uh, so the acceptance of uh, a new concept was normally, was normally of a new brand and a new uh, product was normally associated to how big the brand, how big the logo was, how, uh, how, how much does this uh, product, this dress, this, uh, this pair of shoes, uh, is going to assert my status in a newly uh, opened uh, society, I think. Um, I think this kind of like follows a pattern that I've seen um, researched across uh, Asian societies. So um, the beginning of the the evolution of the luxury and the fashion uh, consumer uh, in Asia has been quite quite linear in the sense that both Japan and Korea and uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong have gone to the same stages. You know, the beginning is that there is no, uh, there is no luxury because there is no uh, money available. So clearly nobody is uh, 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 interested in this. Uh, then there are phases in which uh, the so-called nouveau rich, you know, the new rich, the, 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 what in China we call the pao fahu, the, 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 the rich that became rich overnight, um, um, developed. And they um, and they uh, have uh, money where nobody else does. And their main um, their main obsession is to uh, try and um, define the status to be as different as possible from uh, from everybody else to show to show uh, their, uh, their 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 the circles that they have made it worth. Uh, Other people haven't, and then progressively there is this uh, process in which people start internalizing the idea of uh, consumption, and this applies very much to fashion and luxury. And people start becoming a little bit uh, more uh, concerned about uh, deeper questions, which, uh, which maybe, okay, so okay, so everybody's talking about this product or this uh, brand or this um, this thing, but what does it really mean for me? Uh, How can I really express myself with? with uh with this style that I'm uh that I'm wearing um how can I uh be different from the others not in not in terms of uh, not in terms of status but more in terms of personality so all these changes uh have happened and are still happening gradually in in the industry uh in China in the past uh, 10 15 years and uh something that some have noticed is that while uh, maybe uh countries markets like Japan and um, Korea uh, it's taken them um, 20, sometimes 30 years to move from this idea of uh, um, this idea of um, uh, of uh, expressing status to the idea of expressing oneself. In China, this movement has been very fast. So, what I've observed in the uh, 15 plus years that I've been in China is that the the the, the consumption choices of uh, of uh, Chinese, sophisticated Chinese, of course, people who live in um, urban context and have some exposure to the to the outside world has developed enormously, and it's now uh, it's not quite
0: comparable to a lot of uh, uh, of the fashion capitals uh, of the world. You've called fireworks a post digital agency. What does that mean, and what is your vision for the company?
1: Yes, as I as I. Um, started uh, developing a position of expertise, whether I wanted or not, because I, ne- I was never in the plan to become a, quote, uh, digital expert um, in China. Uh, with my experience, I will give you with my experience as a researcher at university, as I was researching social media um, since uh, over, over uh, 12 years ago, uh, I realized that there were uh, opportunities untapped. And these opportunities were... Uh, in different directions. There were uh, opportunities to continue to uh, bring international companies to benefit from the ever-evolving and ever-growing digital ecosystem of China. I thought there were opportunities for companies that were underserved by big uh, consultancies, big say, advertising uh, networks that clearly had uh, enormous overheads and costs. And therefore, we're only able to service uh, companies with a certain type of uh, wallet size. Mm. And also, there were opportunities in trying to to move away from uh, the idea that had kind of like uh, crystallized at the time. I'm talking, this was 10 years ago, that... And acting on digital channels, uh, making digital strategies mostly meant to be uh, acquiring a lot of uh, followers, uh, acquiring a lot of likes on the social network that uh, was most popular at the time, uh, with no particular questioning about whether these uh, followers uh, could ever turn into our consumers, whether these likes could ever turn into uh, purchases. Uh, and so on. So uh, the idea was really to try and um, find some real value in digital activities. And the clever moniker, the post digital uh, message, was a, a, a way to uh, send a message to the to the market saying, uh, Yes, we live in um, we, we live in a world that is increasingly uh, digital, and interactions are increasingly happening uh, online. But at the same time, uh, what matters are real results. Uh, therefore, this post digital with the idea to go beyond the digital hype to go beyond the, sim- the simple uh, obsession towards mm, followers, fans, clicks uh, and other metrics that are very um, that are not directly related to a, a core business and to try and figure out how these um, how these uh, metrics and how these channels could turn into something that could actually benefit uh,
0: the business of uh, of companies How have client requests evolved since 2011 when you first started getting into the business?
1: As I started, digital was uh, a a magic word. Uh, There were very few people that could use it competently. Uh, There was a lot of misunderstanding of what uh, digital and digital strategies and digital communications Uh, would would mean, and especially when it it came to China, uh, there was this additional layer of uh, mystery towards the fact that everything in China was different. The the social networks that were used and are used in China are completely different from the ones that are used in the West. Uh, People who use Facebook in China, or people uh, in, 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 in China prefer uh, offline, online interactions to offline interactions. They prefer to type something on a consumer review rather than talk to somebody face to face. Simple uh, statistics um, shared like this would blow people's minds. So it was uh, in a way very easy to kind of like gather an audience of uh, listeners and and uh, and to uh, surprise them. Uh, at the same time, there was a lot of misunderstanding of what all these things would uh, would mean. So um, the, the reality is that at the beginning, um, companies uh, would uh, and we worked mostly with international companies. So we're dealing with international executives who you know they tried their best to. Keep up with the pace of uh, change uh, that happens in uh, China, but uh, the reality is that uh, the information they have in the West is very limited. Their understanding of uh, China is very limited. They don't speak Chinese, uh, so um, the uh, the need, the request was very simple. We, you know, we need to be. What is the equivalent of Facebook in China? Let's just like open a channel that uh, how can we uh, how can we uh, acquire more uh, followers on our uh, channel because uh, I, I hear that Chinese people are very much into our product and therefore we need to uh, talk to as many of these people as possible so um, there was a lot of um, there was a quite a lack of uh, differentiation and sophistication in uh, in trying to figure out how this these digital channels, these digital ecosystems of China would play uh, within the the business of the company both in China and internationally. I think what we're seeing now is that companies are increasingly trying to make sense of China as part of a global visibility uh, perspective. So um, there is the understanding even though this sometimes still needs to be formed that China is very difficult very different from the rest of the world and that uh, the Chinese digital ecosystem is completely different you know e-commerce needs to be done in in a completely different way Uh, the social networks are completely different Mm, but uh, I think uh, there is the increasing understanding that uh, even Though China is this big uh, unicorn, but at the same time it, it, uh, the data the the, the flows uh, the strategies need to be need to be um, implemented and made sense on a global level so a lot of the work that we're doing is to try and, and make sure and make sure that uh, that uh, companies have the tools uh, the resources and then the strategies to try and um, and create um, and create uh, um, strategies for China that uh, then can be then then can make sense on a global level. This may mean you know, to try and make sure that the data that we uh, that we gather in China can be then shared with the global system, so that uh, uh, say the company has a global visibility who of who their consumers are. Another element could be how. Uh, China and Chinese consumers are increasingly global. Not so much during um, COVID-19 lockdown period, but uh, just before and certainly after uh, this all resolved, um, the Chinese consumers are moving and are buying anywhere in the world. So, and this is particularly important for especially uh, European, Italian, French, uh, premium brands that uh, that see Chinese consumers, Chinese Chinese shoppers visiting their uh, boutiques in you know the shopping streets of Milan, in Paris, or you know duty-free shops in airports all over the world. So the question is, how do we make sure that uh, consumers uh, who maybe bought uh, something in on a Chinese e-commerce platform, let's call it Timo, uh, then uh, as they enter a shop in, uh, in uh, the Champs-Elysées or on a duty-free uh, in Milan airport are recognized. So the system, the people, the, the shopper system would be able to uh, understand, hey, this is this is not just another uh, Chinese consumer, this is our existing consumer. And uh, for this, we need to be treating them in a different way, or we need to be uh, basing ourselves on the knowledge of what their previous choices, the previous interests were, to make sure that we can serve this person in the best uh, possible way. And to do that, and that's that's really not easy. uh, There is a lot of uh, data integration, there is a lot of uh, uh, cultural integration, There are a lot of uh, uh, internal hurdles from companies that need to be resolved. A lot of companies are still thinking of, say, online business and offline business being something completely separate, managed by different departments, with completely different KPIs, uh, not sharing data uh, one with another, uh, not sharing leads one with another. And therefore, it's very hard for a company to make sure that uh, there is this global visibility of their Chinese consumer that happens both online and offline and both in China and in the rest of the world.
0: You were recently interviewed on the BBC talking about live streaming in China, and there are some surreal celebrity characters in this space right now. There's Li Jiaqi, who is known as the brother of lipstick. He's one of the most influential anchors of beauty products in China, and at the age of 27, he once sold 15,000 lipsticks in just five minutes through a live broadcast on Taobao. He has more than 40 million followers on Douyin, and his income will reportedly be more than thousands of publicly listed companies there's also the woman who set a record for 300 million yuan or 42 million usd in sales in one day who also sold a 500 million yuan deposit on a commercial rocket launch service to nearly 800 people in just five minutes help us make some sense of this phenomenon and describe what's happening and where it's going
1: yeah Uh, i mean my um, experience Basically, history of my relationship with the Chinese ecosystem is basically a constant, a constant uh, um, question to try and make sense of the crazy things that are uh, always happening and the crazy new things that are always emerging in this uh, in this uh, world in this uh, in this industry. Um, I've tried to I've tried many times to make sense of uh, a lot of the a lot of the phenomena that are happening in Chinese on Chinese uh, on the Chinese internet. Um, you know, like short videos is one thing. Blogs is another thing. Live streaming is another thing. Uh, what I've, uh, always, or most of the time, uh, um, come to the conclusion is that, uh, there are a lot of shallow motivation, um, incentives. You know, there is a lot of vanity. Uh, there's a lot of uh, desire to kind of like show off oneself, but, uh, there are often very deep, um, uh, needs that are the basis of this uh, new phenomena. And live streaming, I think, is one of them. Um, When I started researching Chinese social media, I realized that one of the reasons why Chinese social media was so important and was getting so important to, to users and to consumers is because it could make up for what was not sufficient in the traditional media. So the lack of information in traditional media, led the explosion of uh, of social media and unfiltered, uncontrolled uh, blogs so that uh, people could find more and better and less uh, restricted information online. But live streaming, I think, A lot of it is quite similar. Um, I've noticed that there is a constant need of reassurance and a constant need of establishing trust in Chinese consumers. A very important China scholar famously said that Chinese are suspicious yet gullible. And I think that quite quite captures the point. Chinese are very suspicious. Uh, They're suspicious about everything, about the information that they read. Um, on the newspaper or on, on TV, uh, the CNN TV, about the information they find on online. And this applies to, um, and this applies to um, consumption choices as well, because say uh, e-commerce. Um, e-commerce needs to establish trust in consumers because unlike traditional uh, commerce, where you go to the store and you see the product, you plug it in, or you touch the fabric, Um, In e-commerce, you basically have to base yourself on simple information. Maybe it's like a text description or maybe it's an image uh, description or maybe it's just a short video. Well, uh, that creates some questions on a very suspicious uh, consumer like the Chinese consumer. You know, yeah, surely, this dress looks beautiful, but, you know, a model is wearing it. Everything looks good on a model. What about about me? What, What about my normal body? Or, yeah, sure, this product has been used successfully in... Uh, in the West, but I am not uh, a Western consumer. I'm a Chinese consumer. I have a different lifestyle. Can this product? Can this experience apply to me? And I think live streaming, kind of like um, as it was born, it's kind of covered uh, or tried to make up for that in a way that uh, by providing an unfiltered, uh, quite amateurish and, and sometimes quite uh, willingly am- amateurish uh, version of uh, of what uh, of what the Product of what the experience would be. It's almost like uh, the brand is opening up its uh, back door. It's showing, hey, you know, like uh, we're not afraid to uh, show you what's happening. What's happening in the back, you know, we're not afraid to just like show you the product without the glossy kind of uh, uh, cover uh, and filter of our, uh, I don't know, online shop or or of our uh, campaign. Uh, photos. We want to show you how a normal person like our shop assistant or somebody in our company is using mm, is using uh, this product. And therefore, uh, it uh, kind of provides this reassurance uh, to consumers. And it's a very shallow reassurance, but as I mentioned, I think Chinese consumers tend to be both suspicious and gullible. So it, it really doesn't take that much to then convince them. Um, and then uh, I think this is one of the reasons why at least in the very beginning of the phenomenon, uh, by simply putting a camera in front of uh, a product and having somebody uh, even not so eloquently talking about the, the product's uh, functionalities and characteristics, you could obtain enormous uh, sales results and uh, yes, you've mentioned some crazy uh, examples uh, yourself you know the lipsticks the the rockets I think the rocket was uh, more of a uh, of a gimmick, I, I, I doubt they're actually selling those uh, to the final consumers. But it really just uh, shows the potential of simple, of simply just uh, having somebody who has a little bit of clout within their community and uh, talking about anything and seeing crowds of people then um, storming in to see uh, to watch this uh, show and uh, potentially even to buy to buy products. My experiences with live streamings, I've been supporting uh, live streams for uh, clients, both by providing our uh, tech platform and also by providing the marketing and content uh, support um in terms of like what do we talk about where do we uh, stage it how do we make sure that people uh, go and visit uh, and go and watch these live streamings uh, so my experience with this has been a little bit more mixed so um i've noticed that uh, there are certain types of uh, products uh, or experiences or industries that definitely lend themselves uh, better to live streaming so we work with a um with a, a platform it's a, it's an app that f- uh, focuses on online on uh, travel products for families so they mostly sell like weekends in fancy hotels where you know there are a lot of family activities mm, to be done and uh, together with them we have uh, uh, hosted quite a quite a quite a uh, frequent um number of uh, live streamings and, um, and I've noticed that it works really well because as the host uh, suddenly can uh, uh, dip into the private pool of the hotel room that uh, he's uh, showing and you know like all of a sudden he's speaking about this experience in this room as he's like uh, uh, as he's bathing in, in, the, in the swimming pool and all of a sudden somebody passes on a, a glass of champagne uh, and he's is providing this real-life uh, uh, real life, uh, real life uh, demonstration of how this luxurious experience, uh, how this uh, uh, perfect weekend would look like. Uh, this has been uh, very successful. And I think we have sold uh, sh- almost a little bit short of a million RMB. Uh, um, this was our uh, highest uh, kind of like uh, result in a, in a single live streaming. So in a single day, that's a lot of uh, hotel bookings since you know the hotel was also on a very at a very it was a very convenient very affordable price um some things don't instead you know uh, i think the just naturally just like all uh, trends especially uh, digital trends in china uh chinese uh, entrepreneurs chinese companies are very quick to react they're very uh quick to jump in they have uh, very little of the skepticism that I think a company in the west would have i i, I don 't uh, imagine that it would be very easy to convince i don 't know like the CEO of Gucci to do a live streaming um, in uh, in uh, in Florence whereas I think the the, the marketing team of Gucci in Shanghai, perhaps not even uh, communicating this to the headquarters, uh, I think was very fast in just like uh, realizing that, hey, you know, we're a luxury brand, but we certainly need to be uh, jumping in the, into this because otherwise we're losing uh, share of voice, we're losing uh, momentum. Um, so uh, obviously the downside to it is that all of a sudden you have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of live streamings being hosted every single day. And uh, I think um, uh, what I'm seeing quite clearly is that uh, fatigue is building up in consumers. Uh, yet another uh, show uh, that uh, yet yeah, uh, trying to to sell me yet uh, more products that I don't need, uh, and it's um, it's becoming more and more of a of a race to the biggest in- incentive. So one important component of live streaming. Just like one important component of e-commerce in China is discount, uh, or gifting, or incentives in general. So the question is, okay, I'll watch your uh, live streaming, but uh, how much discount are you giving me? I'll watch your live streaming, but the, what gift are you giving me? Uh, what uh, what special uh, prize? What the special the special incentive uh, can you provide? And as um, fatigue builds in, uh, the 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 brands, the companies are. Uh, are um, increasing the stakes in terms of like the type of discount, the type of uh, incentive that they provide to consumers to the point that at this point, I think it's, uh, it's mostly, uh, it's mostly reduced to an activity that the companies uh, think they need to be doing because everybody else is doing, but uh, to, uh, to what results, it's uh, it's quite unclear. I have uh, witnessed uh, myself. I was present myself, mm, um, because maybe we were supporting some of our uh, clients hosting uh, live streamings, and I'm talking important uh, names that maybe you have uh, seen in a, in a shopping mall, and we're not hosting a live streaming for a handful of people uh, and uh, to absolutely no sales result. Obviously, the question starts building also within the company. You know, why are we putting on this um, uh, enormous show if only 20 people, half of which are our internal employees, are uh, are watching it? But then of course there is uh, there there is the the occasional um, success story that uh, makes everybody excited again and then everybody jumps in again and uh, believes in this new in these new trends uh,
0: once again. do you think Chinese consumers will experience fatigue with live streaming anytime soon, and are you recommending live streaming as a viable option to your current clientele?
1: yeah, that's an excellent question so um the The current or standard protocols of marketing when it comes to digital in China actually don't exist. So this is something that I often have to, that often struggle to uh, explain with foreign uh, companies that are yet to enter the market. They think, okay, you know, like this is the portfolio of activities that we normally do in the West. You know, we have our website, and then we do some social media posts and then we do some advertising. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're just going to be doing the same things, uh, in China, surely maybe like the language is going to be different. The, cha- the channel is going to be different, but it's going to be the same thing. Uh, and that is, and that actually doesn't happen because, um, the way that, uh, internet commerce, e-commerce, uh, works in China really doesn't follow any of the of the, of the, of the standards of international, of international, of international companies. This has to do with so many things. It has to do with the way that the ecosystem is designed. So as opposed to, um, selling trying um, and acquiring an audience and selling products or or services or experiences on my own platform, like I would do in the West, you know, I create my own e-commerce website and I start selling in China. Uh, companies need to be playing the games of third-party platforms the big players the alibaba players the tencent player now the bydance doing um players and by doing so they basically band themselves to uh to the needs of the platform which is completely different from the need of the business uh, and the need of the platform and the needs of the platform tend to be entertainment so there is a, a lot of E-commerce in China is basically just about entertainment. It's about entertaining the audience. Why? Because the platforms want to make sure that they retain these customers uh, and their eyeballs and their time on uh, screen for as much as they can. And they know that simply just putting a, a few photos of products that's not going to be enough. And this is the reason why uh, Timo, uh, a great part of how Timo markets its uh, merchants and their products is by creating shows by creating events. This is something so counterintuitive for somebody who comes from outside of China. It's like, what, what do you mean events? We're selling things online. None no, of the event is the event of the platform. We need to create shows so that people are uh, engaged all the time. Uh, and in a way, live streaming is no different. You know, like the, the need for, for platforms to, to push live streaming is because they know that consumers want to be entertained. They want to ent- be entertained during uh, lockdown, uh, Times in during the COVID-19 uh, crisis, just as much as they need to be entertained, uh, because you know, like they, they have long commutes to work and they um, and they need to be flicking through the screen and seeing something that captures their attention. And they know, and and platforms, uh, Chinese platforms know very well that simply a few product information uh, with no particular engagement or incentive, that's not going to be enough. So that's the first. Um, need of the platform the second need of the platform is incentive so um, consumers tend to buy um, on China, online in China mostly because of price now this uh, you would argue is, isn't that the same in every, uh, in, in, in every other country uh, it is kind of the same but in China it's more so uh, because um, because once again i think it has to do with trust you know like chinese people they don't want to be paying one single cent more uh for a product if they know that this product can be uh slightly cheaper somewhere else um so this idea of like providing uh providing always the best and most affordable uh, um price to product uh, trumps everything else you know like uh, even the need of uh okay Uh, So you're the only one who's uh, who's, uh, selling this product, so like exclusivity or convenience. And to do so, um, platforms um, devise all sorts of systems all the time to basically lure companies, uh, merchants to discount the product. Uh, the um, the 1111 Singles Day big shopping festival is a is a, is a prime example. You know, everybody's talking, hey, you know there were like so many trillion sales be made on that day. This isn't that amazing, yeah, surely it, it is amazing. Uh, but when you start doing the math, you realize that the overwhelming majority of those. Sales were discounted, discounted to 50, 70%, sometimes even more. And if you know how much uh, being on a platform like Timo cost, and if you know how much uh, uh, bringing your products to China through logistics and taxes and marketing costs and all that, then you start doing the math and you realize, wait a minute. But uh, these sales, they're like... um, they're. they're uh, mm-hmm. they're not making they're not making they're not making any uh, positive revenue here. They're just like basically losing money as they sell uh, products. And live streaming is similar because uh, another part, another um, important element of live streaming is discount. Discount uh, because once again you've got to give consumers an incentive to watch this uh, to watch these shows. Uh, the fact that you know the lively and Engaging could be one, but uh, the most important incentive will be that you're discounting your products or that you're giving away gifts. So there is this code. Um, it's like um, uh, it's been really co- codified of how a live streaming should be um, should be arranged, how the uh, the rundown should be uh, should be planned. You know, there needs to be um, frequent. Uh, moments in which the host of the live streaming uh, needs to be giving either discounts uh, or uh, coupons or uh, gifts to their audience as a way to keep the audience engaged. So uh, every 15 minutes, there is this moment, okay, now uh, enough talking about whatever we were talking about. Now it's time for gifting and uh, everybody who's watching this live streaming perfectly know what to do they know that this is the moment when they need to be shaking their phone like crazy or tapping a button like crazy or liking or commenting like crazy so that they could be the ones winning the uh the gift in um in this uh, round of discount and then there is the final uh gift the final discount the final uh, prize, whatever it is, which is at the very end of the live streaming, uh, which is the moment when an even bigger discount or an even bigger gift is being given to um, to the few people who <laughs> keep on watching the show till the very end um, so there is a, there is this big um, constant uh, need to play by some rules that uh, uh, are normally set by the platforms. Uh, and or by the consumers, um, and uh, often this, um, in a way, the, the, it doesn't completely align with the interests of the company who, who is selling the product, because clearly the company who is selling the product would like to sell as many products as possible at at at, at as high of a price tag um, as possible, and this is really not what the uh, Chinese. Uh, the, the Chinese digital ecosystem, the Chinese e-commerce ecosystem, um, is all about. Mm, and this, I've done uh, a very big uh, digression to finally answer your question about uh, about uh, fatigue. So there, uh, there is fatigue in the sense that uh, I am already seeing that uh, by simply putting your product in front of the camera. I'm uh, uh, live streaming it to the world. Uh, that is uh, that is uh, definitely not enough anymore. Uh, at the same time, I don't think this means that we need to go back to uh, basics. I think this simply means that uh, we should be expecting uh, in a few months. The cycles tend to be very fast. With, there's normally at least one or two new phenomena every year that. Uh, pop up in the digital uh, ecosystem of China, uh, that in a few months, uh, the platforms, the consumers, uh, or some opinion leaders within the digital ecosystem come up with a new uh, something, a new show, a new uh, engagement technique, a new system a new platform that is uh, that is uh, that is uh, taking the the the, the 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 digital world by storm again and everybody jumps in again a few um, early adopters would uh, benefit enormously from it because suddenly you know the opportunity is very up everybody thinks that this is a new fresh idea consumers think that this is really cool and they buy in in flocks and then everybody flocks in and uh, uh, the the market gets saturated, uh, results start becoming harder and harder until something else happens. So I I have seen this uh, constant evolution, these new these new uh, these cycles of um, of uh, of new phenomena coming and uh, going. So many times in the ten years that I've observed uh, uh, the Chinese um, digital ecosystem, but I'm uh, uh, I'm uh, I have no doubt that uh, something is going to happen uh, very soon again.
0: Andrea, let's say a new up and coming brand fashion brand comes to you and says, we want to enter China. We want to get into the e-commerce game. We're really stoked on this live streaming thing that we've heard so much about. What is your recommendation to them?
1: The founding idea of live streaming was that, um, you would communicate to the mass, and this was uh, intriguing at first because, uh, of course, it was intriguing for a brand to suddenly to be communicating to a uh, to a big group of people. It was also intriguing for the consumers to to imagine that the brands would show their more human side um, to to their to the audience to 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 show you know like uh, something that is less. Um, that is more unfiltered, that is more uh, uncontrolled than you know the traditional way of communicating, which is very staged. Um, and this was the and, and this was the very beginning of it. But I think uh, live streaming as a means of communication is very interesting because it uh, it uh, requires um, companies to really create. Uh, stories to create uh, uh, a show because really a live streaming is, uh, is um, a show and that potentially has a lot of uh, value uh, and Chinese consumers are interested in branded content so they would be interested in giving a shot uh, giving a chance to your show to see what you have to say. But the question is, um, how, do we, um, how do we move from this mass type of live streaming to more of a community um, concept of live streaming. By community, I mean how do I make sure that I talk to those um, to that cohort of people that actually is interested in my product, that is interested in the things that I have to say, and I provide them what they want uh, to uh, want what they want to see and the content that they want to um, they want to hear. I'll give you a specific example. I'm talking to a a very famous a notebook a physical notebook so like paper notebook uh brand about uh, live streaming and they uh, and the question is yeah okay like yeah we'd like to do a live streaming in our in our store so that people can see how to write on these notebooks. and i was like okay uh, but this could be uh, this could be interesting if this was the first time that something like that would have uh, ever been done but now everybody is showing their stores and you know how different can your store look from any other store um uh, um and you know sales of this talking uh, about uh products why don't uh, since we are a notebook brand why don't we try and engage our community was probably made of people who like writing right um and uh, perhaps turn our live streaming into a um uh, poetry reading session or into a, a writing class or into a, a moment in which uh, different uh, uh, people from the community will contribute with their piece of writing and maybe there is a different uh, uh, host uh, every time who is part of this community who can unlock this community, community of writers or people who write. And therefore, we try and be more targeted in the way that we're uh, creating this show in a way that we can unlock um the the interest and the desire that people actually can buy our product something that i've observed this is anecdotal so i cannot give you like any particular uh numbers on it but something that i've noticed that you can do a live streaming for uh, the the entire uh world but in the end buying your your products are those few people that knew you already and kind of were brought in through personal means maybe because they were brought in by some VIP group they were brought in by, uh, the, the sales manager who has a, a contact of the VIP, um, of VIP clients, etc. Similarly, if you're a fashion brand to finally answer your question, I think, uh, I think, um, if you're trying to uh, convey these, I mean, these idea of, uh, of style, and, uh, and you're trying to uh, differentiate yourself from the mass. probably you do not want your live streaming to be visible to everybody. But in fact, you may want to restrict viewership of your live streaming to make sure that only a few people have been granted this amazing uh, opportunity because they are friends and family, VIPs, consumers, people who have already taken action with the brand in a certain way. Uh, uh, because they have this, uh, this uh, level of access. So something that I'm discussing with a few uh, luxury brands is to create private live streaming and they're more like VIP um, sneak peeks into the, um, the, 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 the pre-collection or the latest uh, capsule uh, collection or whatever that is so that uh, you start uh, really generating uh, excitement and engagement in a group of people that uh, has then the the, the the power the purchasing power the interest to, to, to do something with it um, and, and finally even to buy the product
0: Andrea thanks for the great chat today really appreciate all the authentic advice and I'm sure our listeners probably got a kick out of the authentic background noise of uh, Shanghai in the background as you talk to us from the rooftop of your office
1: thanks Todd and thanks to the audience
0: growing a company is hard doing it in a foreign market exponentially so the best piece of advice i can give you is not to do it alone when you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities and i sincerely hope that you do make sure you choose the right partners to do it with my good friends at wpic marketing and technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter china i hope you enjoyed this episode of the negotiation and if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co and be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Zai did,